What's your name and what's your game? Uh, so my name is David Gerard and I'm a designer for Junkie. Uh, what kind of game is that? Uh, it's a strategic filler game. We've kind of created this system where uh, everybody draws from the same deck. I wanted to try to like make a uh, like a, a game that you can all draw from the same deck and still have like a, like as much strategy as you can into it. Because like games like that are like like Uno, right? Where you're like you know it feels random when you when you do it. But I wanted to kind of like create this system where as you play it, you're feeling like you're still strategically like contributing to the game. You're strategically creating your win, right? So is it like a de deck building game, but there's one deck that everybody's building? Yeah, so it... it's kind of like, so what you do is everybody draws from the same deck, which is just one flat deck, and then every card in it lets you like manipulate the deck or draw fast from it. There's one card in there that's, uh, that's the crown, and when that card's drawn, then um, then that ends the game and that person gets a boost in points. So the game is about like trying to, to overtake that point value so that even if you don't draw the crown, you can still win. So you're trying to like go faster than your opponents and using the resources you have that you're essentially given randomly through the game. So you're part of the tabletop portion of the Mega Booth. What's that been like? Yeah, it's been awesome, actually. It's um, it's kind of a big shock for us that like someone, I don't remember how we found out about it, but somebody said, hey, you should really you should really be trying to get in there because you know um, your your branding, the game itself, you know, is really kind of unique, and um, and you really you should you should be checking to see if you get in there. And then once I put my hat in there, I actually thought like, oh well, that's cool. I bought tickets to PAX, right? I bought tickets thinking I would just be a consumer like normal, right? Um, you know, been coming for years. And then when they said, yeah, you're in, I, I was really I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then now like meeting all the other people here, it's awesome, obviously. And kind of like being on that level where like you're talking to consumers, you're you know you're selling product. I've done other conventions, but I've never done a convention where like like 90% of the gamers are video gamers, right? And so it's it's a completely different demographic. And I'm actually uh, I'm actually kind of pleasantly surprised at the reception we're getting, which is awesome. And you're also not in the like there are a lot of board game players at PAX. There's people right. showing board games and stuff like that, but you're not in that area. Right, yeah. Yeah, in fact, um, that was one of the things that's been pretty cool is that like PAX South, for instance, is like, it's like huge for board games. And so I was told like, hey, if you go to PAX South, you'd be good to go. You know, PAX West, which is like my stomping ground because I live like really close to here. Uh, you know, you can, you can try for it, but the, the board game group, the board game like, like community essentially is like growing. And like Seattle's like turning into this weird like, like Silicon Valley of board games right now. And, um, and it's awesome being part of that community. And like, definitely, I mean, it's, it's, it's it's uh, a lot more a lot of more people that are video gamers are like crossing into board gaming and vice versa. So the world's like they're like they're touching now, right? Whereas before it was like oh you know you you sit at home and you just play video games and that's so much more different than different than like me sitting at home and playing board games, right? But now it's like people are you know it's just it's just more it's more of a social like adventure now for every everybody across all games. You know it doesn't matter what your medium is. It's the same type of thing, right? And I'm finding that for, to be definitely true during the short amount of time I've been here. So, is this the first game or first convention you've shown what your board games at? No. So we the first game that I the first time we showed Junking was at this really small convention in uh, in Everett, really close to where I live, and uh, called OrcaCon. And they um, that was like a 600 or 800 person convention, really tiny, right? And uh, the reception we got was really strong. Um, and then we were told like by other game creators like you should really look at Gen Con. Uh, we kind of snuck into Gen Con. We uh, were able to grab like somebody canceled late, like last minute. And then we were, they said, hey, do you want a booth? But it's like, it's actually double the size of what you want. So I don't know if you want to pay all that money, but if you want it, you want it. I said no. I turned to my wife and told her the story, like, oh, can you believe these idiots, right? And she's like, no, you're the idiot for saying no. Get back on the line with them and go. So then we went to Gen Con. And of course, Gen Con's about as big as PAX is for board games, about 60,000 people. 
So we had like a massively good reception at Gen Con. Everybody really loves our branding. So, um, so yeah, so now it's at, like a, at a point where like I'm, I'm, I'm like a veteran in like a month, right? I'm a veteran of being able to like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, promote myself and kind of talk, you know, do the, do the marketing part of like promoting myself and promoting the brand and promoting the, promoting the company and the game, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's surprising how fast you like grip to it when you have to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're selling the game at the show floor as yeah, well. Yeah. What What's that like? Like, how much supply do you bring? Yeah. Like, right. Like, what? Like, what's that whole process like? Yeah. So basically, with, with, at Gen Con, um, we sold about 150 copies, which is pretty strong for what you know I've, I've heard uh, for like a first timer kind of person. And so here, we, I actually thought that we would probably sell. Uh, you know, I bought I bought about 75 copies, thinking like, oh, that's probably about right. And like, I can already tell like that that's not gonna be enough. Luckily, I live like, I mean, like all my stock is at home, so I can just like throw another box in the car and just bring it in. So I'll be fine, but like, I know that a lot of like, I mean, I know all this stuff gets shipped in, right? So I would hate to be in a position where I run out and miss potential sales, right? And the thing is, is like, even obviously the sales is a big thing, but like a lot of what we do is like telling people, like I give my, I give everybody my business card and be like, listen, I know you like the game because you just bought it from me, but like when you play it with your buddies at home, like I want you to then shoot me an email and like let me know what they thought about it. Because then it's like I'm not there promoting my game, right? Like I want to know what like other people think about it. And so that's like a whole, like it's a weird thing. You don't really do that in video games as much. You just kind of like listen to the forums. There's no real forums for board games except for Board Game Geek. And most of those are like people just go there to ask a question, Yeah. right? And so um, there's not a lot of community in the way of like, hey, are you actually liking this game? Like, like you've played it 10 times now. Are you having a good time? Like, would you consider buying another game if I made one? Like, I have no idea how to make that connection, right? And it's different, so it's interesting though. Um, so your um, production cost seems like a very important part yeah. of, of board game design. Yeah, dude. Uh, how did that um, impact what the type of game you made? Yeah, so well, we made the game, right? We made the game, uh, we got it ready, everything ready, and then we started to find out weird things. Like, like for example, like uh, if you're doing a card game, if you print one card, it costs as much as printing 54 cards because they print them, they give them to you in a stack, right? And so it's the same exact cost. So like if you're getting close to 54, just make 54 cards because then you're making like a unique, you're making like more uniqueness, you're making more replayability in your game. So we made like a 150 card game and then we were like, wait, we can make 12 more cards, right? And so we snuck in, we tried to figure out a way we could sneak in 12 more cards. And that was weird. But then of course the expenses part, which is the part I think you asked me about, is like it's a, it's a really big part of it, especially when like I'm just one guy and um, I'm responsible for the other people on my team to make money as well. And I'm like kind of the head of the team and everything. But so like if I make mistakes, like I'm costing my friends money, people that I've, I, I've asked to come on this adventure with me. And so if I'm, if I, you gotta be really sensitive to like making sure that they're making them money, that you're not putting them in peril and like, you know, and, and ruining their, you know, like my artist, for example, like he makes, he makes so much money without like having to do stuff for me. I'm like, he's doing it for me as like a, as a favor practically, right? So I wanna not disrupt his business, right? So you have to be really sensitive to like what things are gonna cost. And so you have to do a lot of research and just kind of make sure that like that the company that you're that you're saying, yeah, I wanna be on contract with you to manufacture this, like that they're gonna give you the right product. So what I did was um, we went with Panda Manufacturing, who's well known as doing a good job uh, as far as like quality goes. So I then asked them straight like what games are in stores right now I can go buy. And they, they gave me like a list of like 70 games. Went out and buy like 10 of them and I just opened them all up and I was like, all right, this is what I'm gonna get, right? And so um, I think that, that that level of research is like, if you're not doing it, like you're not doing the right thing, right? 
So why did you try and squeeze in 12 more cars if 54 was? Yeah, so well, I mean, we, we fortunately are in a, in a kind of game where, where more cards just add to the value, right? There's a lot of games that get made where you're like, all right, well, 150 cards is what it is because if I add more, the math messes up or the, you know, or something gets broken in some kind of way. And fortunately, um, Junking is the kind of game where if we add more cards to it, it just basically adds to the replayability, it adds to the, the, the randomness of the different types of cards, it adds to the flavor of the game, right? So, so we were able to absolutely sneak that kind of stuff in. But it was definitely like a shock to us. They were like, hey, listen, it's gonna cost you the same exact thing if you wanna do 12 more cards. And I looked at Justin like, can you draw 12 more cards? He's like, can you make 12 more cards? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so what's the kind of like, um like when are you going to stop showing this and focus yeah. showing something new? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, In fact, uh, I always kind of say, I've been telling people that this is essentially like the last hurrah for junking. Um, I actually wasn't like planning on being at, at uh, PAX at all. Um, and uh, we were going to have uh, Gen Con and then right after that we're going to have uh, uh, Dragonflight, which is another local convention. And at that local convention, which was like two weeks ago, I barely talked about junking at all. I was talking about Byron of the Queen, which is our next game. And, uh, and I was planning on like probably coming to PAX, going to some like panels, not panels, but uh, you know, like uh, just general open tabletop gaming with Bio of the Queen and being like, oh yeah, that's that, Junkin's a game I used to make, but uh, we're working on this one and we're getting it to Kickstarter, blah, 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 right? And uh, all that fun stuff. But because I'm in, 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 the, in the mega booth, right? In the mega booth, um, I'm basically excited to kind of like introduce this game to all these other people. And um, so yeah, so I probably after this weekend, I'll probably never really try to promote that game ever really again, other than to say like, hey, if you want to know what kind of games we make and you don't already own Junking, go get Junking. You'll see our quality. You'll see like our style, and you'll see like our brand. You know. Or you might have a booth where you have the four or five exactly. games yep. all demoable. Exactly. And the thing is, for that, I mean, it's definitely part of like my vision of like what I want to do. I've got like a plan. Like I kind of started to implement. I want to do like seven games in five years where like um you know that we have like a library game so if you're in our demographic of like needing like family-friendly games that are strategically complex um that will, won't bore your adult friends but you can still play with like people that aren't hardcore gamers including children um then we've got like a library of games that like one of these games is probably the one that you want right and that's where we're going and so all the games we make before the last one we make are just the breadcrumb trail of like hey we know what we're doing right so in the you're sharing a tabletop space with other board games and stuff yeah, like that. Totally. If you had to shout out one yeah. or the one that you'd want to shout out the most, it's not your game. Yeah. What game would that be and what what's yeah. it about? So like right next to me, there's a guy make uh, made a game. I'm gonna I'm gonna script the name, but it's it's flapping flapjack or flipping flipping flapjacks, right? So the so what you do in the game is you uh, everybody has like a paddle which represents the skittle, okay? And, and, wait, is that right? Skillet, okay. skillet. <laughs> not a burst in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, that's Starburst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Taste the rainbow. Yeah, not, not, not the Skittles, yes. This episode brought by Skittles. Yeah, yeah, so the sk skillet. And then you um, you take pancakes and you put them on your, on your board. And to get the card, you have to, like, flip it and have it land on the other side. Then you get that card. And so you're, what you're doing is you're, 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 uh, you're trying to... Uh, to like make um, like orders, so the order will come in. Like I need a blueberry pancake and a chocolate pancake, and so everybody has to like try to beat them, beat each other to like be the first person to build those pancakes. And I think that's a really cool idea. Like that, like Pete Pete uh, Newerland is the guy's uh, name, and Pete's got like a collection of like nine games, and every one of them is like the weirdest game you've ever seen. So non-traditional, like super innovative, and I think that stuff is like really cool because 
a lot of games, even the games I make, are like, they're not necessarily like super innovative. They're just really good thematic like changes to a, a couple other concepts you might see in then five or six games that are like kind of cool. And then you mash them up and you've got this really cool game that you're like, you're making this new game. But his stuff is just like, it's wild. And that, that uh, Flippin' Flapjacks is definitely, is definitely that, that kind of like wild game. That was the one I played, and um, I the the most kind of inspiring or interesting thing about it for me was that there's this whole memorization mechanic. Yeah. So you when you get blueberry pancakes, if you don't need them, you stack them, but you have to remember what those stacks are. Yeah. And it's got this kind of like when you succeed, you lose all your stack, like you bring all your stacks back. So the people yeah. who have been losing rounds actually end up with a lot of pancakes right and the whole memorization thing was like super hard because i was trying to like oh, yeah. alphabetically sort them and then uh, figure out the orders and try and make sure i had them but oh, yeah. yeah no it was cool it was, yeah. it was the, it definitely the most like right this looks strange yeah right it's them. completely not like any other game you see right because like even even junking you there's, there's like three other four other card games here right and you're like okay cool a card game that's cool what's your theme okay what's the style what's the wind conditions right okay i get it right but like that game is like, well, hold up. Tell me all about this game because I need to know like what the hell's going on here before you start trying to play, right? Yeah, it's cool. It's it's good. I like that style. Well, thanks for being on the question bus. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for thanks for asking, man. It was cool. And uh, is there anything else you want to plug? No, I think uh, you know, just buy Order of the Queen is our next game. Uh, you know, follow us on uh, on Facebook. My, my name on Twitter is Dagger D A G E R R. Uh, follow me on Twitter to find out all the cool things that I do with my eating my food and. No, but uh, you know, I'm working on my games and some of that. And uh, Buyer of the Queen should be on Kickstarter in about uh, about a month and a half. 